Hey there. Thank you so much for checking out this message with us at Believer's Chapel. Our prayer is that you have a genuine experience with God and that you're able to connect with him in a deeper way as a result of listening to this message. Thank you again. God bless you. Is God good? What else do we have to give God today but a hallelujah? Right? Hallelujah means praise the Lord. The very breath that we have to say hallelujah came from him. Every single thing that we have came from Jesus. So that's what we give you today, God. We give you our praise. We give you our hearts. We give you our lives. How grateful we are that you called us to walk with you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. All right. Well, Believer's Chapel, it is good to be with you today. I'm so glad if you're listening online that you joined us online. I want to tell you that I believe in the evolution of species. I believe that the existence of God is impossible. I believe that the idea that God has always existed and knows everything and can hear us all pray at once is impossible. All right, well, hey, thanks for coming to church today. I hope your faith is strengthened by that message. Now, hold on, stay with me. For much of my life, I struggled with the existence of God. How can God be real? Even as a born-again Christian, sometimes I'd struggle. I'm not alone. Back in 1967, about 2% of people, only 2% didn't believe that God existed. About 10 years ago, a poll said that it rose to about 9%. And in 2022, a Gallup poll said up to 20% of people say there's no God. Now, there's polls out there that say different things, but here's what I can say for sure. The number of people disconnecting with God seems to be on the rise, right? About a third, one poll said about a third of the country consider themselves nuns, meaning they no, don't have any affiliation with any faith or religious belief at all. They've just checked out. Another Pew Research poll said that more than half of Americans feel like there's a conflict between science and faith. So, for example, in the church, a lot of people believe that uh, the Bible teaches that the creation is 6,000 years old, but all of or much of modern scientific understanding say that everything's billions of years old, the universe and the earth. So what's right? There seems to be a conflict between science and religion or faith. Now, what do I do with that? Do I have to throw out science to embrace the Bible, or do I have to throw out the Bible to embrace science? How do I handle this conflict? So for me, it was, oh, here's my struggle. I call it E in the big three. E stands for eternity. Eternity forward, that's easy. But eternity backwards, not so much. Why? Because everything's got to start. So where did God start from? He was always there. Well, that's impossible. Big three. God is omnipotent. He's all powerful. He can do everything. God's omnipresent. He's everywhere all at once. God's omniscient. He knows everything. Listen, if two of my kids are talking to me at the same time, oh, stop. one at a time, please. I can't hear you. How can God hear thousands or millions of us all at once? Sure seems impossible to me. Well, Dan, that's why he's God. Well, that seemed like too much of a cop-out, too much of an easy answer. I feel like I needed more. Now, how about you? Today, you may have had a similar struggle with the idea of how could God have always existed, faith and science, that conflict. But your struggle, your questions for God, the how questions, God, how did this happen? Why did this happen? May be different. God, why did this happen? 
I prayed and prayed, and the person I loved so much passed away. I prayed and prayed, and my family came apart through divorce. I sought you, and the health diagnosis is not good. If I pray, does it even matter? Am I just talking in the air? I don't feel anything. Why is it that the Bible seems not current with contemporary culture? Fill in the blank for you what your how God and why God questions are today. But as you know, answers don't just fall in your lap. You've got to look for them. And those questions that you have are important to God. But here's what we do too often. When those questions aren't answered quickly enough, or the way we want them answered from God, it's see ya. See you later, God. I'm going to look somewhere else. Or else we try to design a God that fits the answers that we want. We design our own version of God. So Paul addressed these struggles in the New Testament book of Romans. When those how and why questions aren't answered as quickly as we want or how we want, and we check out, something happens in our minds and in our hearts. But you can find the answers you're looking for. But you have to seek him to find him. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 1. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. The Bible says God's angry. Why? Because the truth about him is being suppressed or pushed down. God's being taken out of the equation by wickedness. And those things hurt us. So listen, if something's trying to hurt my kids, if something's happening that's hurting my kids, I get angry. Why? Because I love them. It's the same thing with God. When things are happening that hurt you, hurt his kids, he gets upset. Why? Because he loves you. He doesn't want to see you get hurt. When the truth about him is suppressed or pushed down, that leads to destructive patterns and habits that end up hurting you and me. And then what happens is we pass those on to the next generation and progressively and progressively, generations walk with God less and less. Down to Gen Z today, a whole bunch of them have checked out and say they're nuns, I'm done. When the truth is suppressed, a substitute arises that draws us away from God. Let's read Romans 1.19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them hmm. because God has made it plain to them. Interesting. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So people are without excuse. God says he reveals himself through creation. So the things that we can be seen, can be seen, the things that were made. But that brings us back to that conflict, faith and science. Listen, there's many creation stories out there with many faiths and many religions, I believe that the Bible gives the best answer for creation that aligns with modern scientific understanding. But even if we take the God of the Bible out of the equation, there is overwhelming evidence of an intelligent designer to this universe. Stephen Meyer's written extensively on this topic. And if Romans 119 is right, if creation makes the existence of God so obvious, why is it that it's not so obvious to so many people and they struggle with it. Remember, when the truth is suppressed, a substitute arises. Now, there's an alternative idea to God creating everything. You know it. You probably learned it in school. Evolution, right? Charles Darwin in the 19th century, the idea that we have evolved from species to species over billions of years with different manifestations to who we are today through genetic mutation, natural selection, survival of the fittest. You remember this stuff, but that's in direct conflict to what the Bible teaches, what God says. Here again is what Paul says, says what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain. But if it's plain, why are there so many questions? One of the conflicts that we deal with right here in the church is how old is the earth? How old is creation? 
majority of the best and the brightest in the science community say we've got billions of years. But many creationists in the church say that the Bible teaches that it's only thousands of years old. Here we are again, the conflict between faith and science. Now, there's two camps in the church. One believes that the earth and creation is very young, thousands of years old. That group is led by Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis. And there's another group in the church that believe that the universe is ancient, indeed, billions of years old. That humans then were created by God, not evolved, thousands of years ago. This is led by Hugh Ross with Reasons to Believe. And some in the ancient universe camp believe that the Big Bang was God's original creative action that brought about matter, that brought about energy, that brought about space and time into existence. But they don't embrace evolution. They embrace God's creation. So both camps believe in God's authority. The Bible is God's authority over science. But they also believe science backs what they teach. So which is it? Is the earth young and all of creation young or ancient? I don't know. Wasn't there. But here's what I know for sure. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there is no conflict between that the Bible teaches and what science teaches, whether it happened thousands of years ago or billions of years ago. Don't let that idea make you stumble because in both camps, there's brilliant astronomers and geologists and astrophysicists and scientists who can say without a doubt, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Don't let that make you stumble. Any concerns about me talking about this topic? Email me directly at richrifen at believerschapel.org. All right. God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. Let's talk about what's been made. This universe is ridiculously, wow, that's loud, ridiculously huge, right? With the Hubble telescope and now the James Webb telescope, which is like a million miles away from Earth, we can observe the wonders of the universe. Listen, there are 200 billion trillion stars in the observable universe. That's a real number, 200 billion trillion. If we took that same number of dimes, just a dime, stacked them as densely as possible, all on top of each other, as high as a New World Trade Center in New York City, it would cover the entire North American continent. 200 billion trillion stars. Now, that's just some of the stars that God created. That seems excessive. That seems impossible. Normal matter in the universe only makes up about 5% of the universe. 95% of the universe is made up of dark matter and dark energy. We're not even sure exactly what that is. We've got theories, but like black holes in many ways, they're mysteries. There is no evidence that the universe has an edge. It just keeps going. Well, that's impossible. But here's what I would say. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Psalm 19.1. Now that's how vast the universe is. Let's talk about how minute creation is. Everything is made up of atoms. Atoms make up the cells that make up you. You remember this stuff from school years ago. You've got about 35 trillion cells in your body. Almost every cell carries 46 chromosomes, which carry DNA made up of genes. You know this stuff. The DNA in your body is the code that gives you the information that makes you you. 
the physical characteristics that make you, you. If you uncoiled every DNA strand in your body and put them side by side, it would stretch over 700 million miles. That's like 1,500 round trips to the moon. All packed in your body. Every one of your cells in your body right now, in this body of yours, masterpieces of microengineering and nanotechnology. It is crazy if you look into it. Designed by God thousands of years before the iPhone revolution and the tech revolution. Miniature circuits, digital information in your cells. Each one is like a little molecular machine right inside your body. Works like, a, like an engine of a car, like a rotary engine. Bill Gates said this, DNA is, a, is like a computer program, but far, far more advanced than any software ever created. Richard Dawkins, he's one of the new atheists. This is not a God dude, right? He's an atheist, a major one. The machine code of the genes is uncannily computer-like. Apart from the differences in jargon, the pages of a molecular biology journal might be interchangeable with those of a computer engineering journal. Listen, if there's evidence of something that acts like software in your cells, that it's got to infer that we've got a master programmer behind the whole thing. To this day, consciousness, sentience, how the mind works, in many ways, they're mysteries to science. We just keep trying to figure it out. We can see farther than ever before with telescopes. We can be, see smaller than ever before with microscopes into the deepest parts of life. And it reminds me what God says. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain. Technology hasn't disproven this verse. If anything, it's driven at home greater than ever. Talk about faith. It takes way more faith to believe that the complexity of God's creation happened by chance through genetic mutation, natural selection, survival of the fittest, rather than an intelligent designer. But wait a minute. I still got a problem. It doesn't change the conflict I started with, that E and the big three. Remember, eternity backwards, God always existed. That's impossible. The big three, God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He knows everything. He's omniscient. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. That just seems impossible to me, that there's this all-powerful dude in the sky who is always there. What? But listen, here we are. We're real. This is not a dream. This is not a construct of the matrix. How is this possible? Well, I've got some good news for you. Good news today. I solved it. I solved the equation that you've all been wondering for your whole life. How could God have always existed? How is he omnipresent and omnipotent? I solved it for you. Yeah, yeah, you have the privilege to hear it today from me, right? So for free, no cost. Okay, for free. Here we go. Right? How is it possible that God always existed and he's everywhere all at once and how powerful? You know what the answer is? No clue. All right. What a bait and switch. What kind of answer is that? No clue. Well, yeah, tell you what. No clue is the right answer. And I'm in good company. Let me tell you who's in my company. Let's start with David. Right, King David? He's like the goat of the kings. Here's what he says in Psalm 139. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. That sounds like the omniscient, all-knowing God to me. Verse 8, if I go up to heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. That sounds like the omnipresent everywhere all at once, God to me. 
Verse 13, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That along with other verses from David sound like the omnipotent, all-powerful God to me. So what's the amazing spiritual insight from this man of God, the man after God's own heart? What does David say? What's his answer? He says, I don't know. Here's what he says. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Another translation says it's too great for me to understand. So David says, how is it God can be in two places at once? How is it he can know everything and be everywhere? It's impossible. What's his answer? I don't know. Let's look at another heavy hitter in the Bible. The Apostle Paul right? most, wrote most of the New Testament. If anyone's going to have some spiritual insight, it's this dude. Okay, here we go. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible. Mom, there's that word again. How impossible is it for us to understand his decisions and his ways? For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who, has, who knows enough to give him advice? For everything comes from him and exists by him, by his power, and is intended for his glory. Paul, the guy who got an actual glimpse into heaven. What does he say? It's impossible for us to get this stuff. I don't know. If these spiritual giants don't have the answer and have some unusual or have some things where they say, I don't know. Why do you think it's strange that you should have questions about God? But because David and Paul sought God, they found him. Because you have to seek him to find him. Do you know who else God did this for? Do you know who else God spoke to about this? Me, yours truly, Dan Whalen. I've walked with God for over 30 years. And within the past year, I still had trouble with this. Not so much, I, I talked to God. It's not so much I don't believe you exist, God, but this E and the big three, the eternity backwards that you've always existed. The fact that you're omnipotent, you can do everything. The fact that you're omniscient, you know everything. The fact that you're omnipresent, you're everywhere. God, I can't get my hand around it. That seems impossible. So I said, God, will you help me understand that? You know what he said to me? Spoke to my heart. He said, I have to be impossible to do the impossible. If you can understand everything about God, he is not God. If you can put a border or limit on God, he is not God. That's why there's no border on the universe. Because he knew one day we'd be able to see and say, that's impossible. That's right. God has to be impossible to do the impossible. And that simple truth that God put in my heart. Let me tell you something. Sometimes complex answers, complex questions have simple answers when you seek the Lord. And sometimes the simple things God speaks to you can be complex in your life or significant in your life, not complex, significant to you when you seek him. And because I sought him, he put to rest something I had struggled with for most of my life. Because you have to seek him to find him. Just like he did for David and Paul and for me, he has answers to the how and why questions that you have today. But you have to seek him to find him. Let me tell you something else. So David and Paul, there are things they said, I don't know about God. But let me tell you something about David and Paul. They knew their God. 
they knew God. They had questions that weren't answered, but they knew God was real. God was real in their life. God had power in their life. God gave them purpose. And let me tell you something today. You may have answers or questions that are unanswered about God or about things in your life. But despite that, God wants to be real in your life. God wants to be powerful in your life. God wants to reveal himself in your life. God wants to give you answers that you've been looking for, but you haven't found them yet because you haven't sought him about it. That's what he did for me. That's what he'll do for you. But you have to seek him to find him. So that's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to seek God regardless of what's going on in your life. I'm not asking you to stop doing this. I'm asking you to seek him. Seek him in your doubts. Seek him if you don't think he exists. Seek him in your discouragement. Seek him in your anger. Seek the Lord. Just like David did in the Psalms. You got to keep coming back, but you got to seek him to find him. But wait a minute, we still got a problem. Still got a problem. The Bible says it's so clear. If it's so clear, why can't everybody see? Romans chapter one, verses 21. Although they knew God, right? So God revealed himself in creation and put eternity in their hearts. They neither glorified him as God nor give thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. You know, for most of us, here's the issue. Glorifying God and being thankful to God, they don't happen by default. They're not passive actions. They're active choices that you deliberately make. Passive relationships in your life generally don't have good results, right? If you have a passive relationship with your spouse or your significant other, if you have a passive relationship with your money, if you have a passive relationship with keeping your room clean or keeping your kitchen clean, does it get better or worse? Gets worse. With no effort, things get worse. Glorifying God. Being thankful, those are active choices. And here's what I know about you, even though I may not know all of you. Here's what I know. It's not like you're deliberately trying to blow off God. Ah, forget it. You're busy, right? You're trying to raise your family. You're trying to have a career. You're trying to keep up with your homework, do things with your friends, things that you enjoy. These are all really good things. God wants you to do that. But unless you are deliberate, that busyness will lead you to a passive relationship with God. And without a conscious effort, you will not be thankful and you will not glorify God. That's the core problem in these verses. You'll just be a busy person with an occasional thought about God, an occasional thank you about God. Everything looks great on the outside, but when you're passive, something happens in your heart. I know because I've been there too many times. Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Starts with your thoughts, goes to your heart. Your thinking drives your actions. Your heart becomes your character. Thinking became futile. What's that mean? Futile. Not producing any useful results. Pointless. You know, in this life, you can accomplish so much good. Stuff for your family, career, making money, uh, having fun, education. This is all, these are all good things. It's part of God's plan. Do that stuff. But let me ask you a question. What in your life today is having any kind of eternal impact? Or is it just stuff that's so important right now, but next year probably won't matter, let alone in 50 years or 100 years 
for all of eternity. Today, we, we exchange different kind of idols for God. We don't bow down to statues anymore. But celebrities, not God, will set our lifestyle. Social media stars and TikTok and YouTube, they set our truths. They become the filter for our values. Today, we have to live by my truth. What's my truth, right? But your truth won't set you free. The truth, that's what's going to set you free. The truth from God is what's going to set you free. But here's the problem. We exchange stuff for God, right? We exchange God for other stuff instead. When we do it long enough, he says, okay, I won't make you. Here's what it says, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their heart. Verse 26. Therefore, God gave them over to shameful lust. Therefore, furthermore, since they didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, think about that. Didn't think it was worth my time. So God gave them over to a depraved mind. So they, they do what ought not to be done. God got my Netflix, Amazon Prime deliveries, got my boyfriend or girlfriend. I got school. I got my family. I got my job. I'm good. I'll let you know when I need something. When that happens for long enough, when we say, God, I'm good, and we trade God for stuff, says God gave them over. But it all starts with a passive relationship with God. So what's the consequences? Even though things may look great on the outside, listen, in America, we have more riches than ever. We've got more comfort than ever. We've got more stuff than ever. And we've got more stress. We've got more broken families. We've got more debt. We've got more suicide. We've got more identity crisis than ever before. We're trying to self-medicate the pain away and fill the void with everything but Jesus. Trying to live our truth instead of the truth. So what can you do to walk in the freedom God's got for you? First, I want you to make an active choice. Remember, the problem was being passive. You got to make an active choice to connect with God. So this week, this is what I'm asking you to do. Each day this week, Make an active choice to connect with God in some way every day. What you do is up to you. How long you do it varies from day to day. How you feel varies from day to day. But make an active choice to seek God and connect with him in some way every day, regardless. It means you can pray, read your Bible, listen to a Christian podcast, read a devotional, listen to a worship song. Listen, what a difference it can make in your day to listen to a worship song if you've never tried it. Things aren't going right. You listen to a worship song. You see what happens. But connect with God in some way every day. Listen, if you're new to this God thing, here's what I'm asking you to do. On your iPhone or your phone, download an app called YouVersion, Y-O-U. Download the NIV, the New International Version, and start reading the New Testament. And say, God, if this is real, I want you to show me. Make an active choice to connect with God in some way every day this week. That's what I'm asking you to do. The second thing, I want you to have a plan. It's got to be simple. It's got to be routine. Probably without a plan, you probably won't do it. So when I first wake up in the morning, I make an active choice. Instead of jumping on social media or the news on this thing, I listen to the Bible. I've got an app called Dwell. I love it. Make a choice to do it. Sometimes it's long. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's eh. But you got to seek him to find him. 
When I'm driving my kids to school after I drop them off from school, instead of listening to the radio or listening to some podcast or something, I make an active choice to talk to God. Sometimes it's long. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's eh. But you've got to seek him to find him. You have to have a strategic plan or it probably won't happen. God designed every cell of your body. He designed your mind. He designed your heart. He created the physical DNA and all its complexity in your body. But you are not just chemistry and biology governed by the laws of physics. You are so much more. God gave you a spiritual DNA. Do you know God gave you a spiritual code that's designed just for you with a purpose just for your life that he wants you to walk in? He gave that to you. You are much more than just biology. God is doing that work. He's got a purpose for your life. You know, at the beginning, I told you the existence of God is impossible, right? But God showed me that he has to be impossible to do the impossible. But I also shared that I believe in the evolution of species. But not the kind of evolution you're thinking of that you learned in school. You know, that we all evolved from one spe- that we all evolved over time from species to species. That chimpanzees and humans share 98% of the same DNA. See, there's proof that we've got, they're our closest living relative. We evolved from a similar ancestor. And if we go back far enough, all of creation evolved from a similar ancestor. See? Shared DNA. No, that doesn't mean that. All the shared DNA means is that that is how God chose to do it. In fact, did you know that the humans sitting near you share 99.9% of the same DNA as you? But that 0.1% is enough to make you, you, with a purpose and call from God. The evolution of the species that I believe is, that's, that's macroevolution I just talked about. Microevolution is what I believe in. That means that the species, you and me, were designed to adapt and evolve, but we say the same species. We're designed to evolve and adapt to the environment around us. That's microevolution. You're called to adapt to the environment around you whether you ask for it or not. Problems in your life. Problems in your family, in your marriage, in your money, in your school, whatever it is, your health, your finances. God has given you the ability, with his help, to be able to evolve and adapt and become who you're supposed to be. To walk on those things with his power and purpose and with solutions from him. But you got to seek him to find him. Did you know that in Alaska and in the Northeast U.S., in wintertime, frogs freeze solid. Their hearts stop. They're just frozen. Then when spring comes, they thaw out and they just pop back to life. It's crazy. God made them to be able to adapt to their environment. And in spring, they thaw out. They come back to life. I'll tell you many times in my walk with Jesus, I've frozen out. I've gotten frozen in my walk with God. It was either because doubts I had or things in my life that weren't right or just being distracted, being passive. I was frozen in my walk with God, not becoming who I was supposed to be. All started with a passive relationship. How about you? What today has frozen you out of being who you know you're supposed to be and walking with God? Discouragement, those why and how questions that haven't been answered, 
things in your life that you know aren't right that you're struggling with. God has called you to adapt and evolve and grow and become who he has called you to be. He has answers for those questions. He has solutions for you. Listen, the impossible God who has made you to evolve and adapt, the God who created the complexity of the universe with no edge, the God who made your body with trillions of cells, each cell a masterpiece of microengineering and nanotechnology, unfathomable complexity in your body. Do you think the God of the universe who made that, do you think your problems are too complex for him? Or does he have answers for you? But you have to seek him to find him. Have you become passive in your walk with God? You got to seek him in your doubts. That's what I'm asking you to do again this week. Seek the Lord. Make an active choice this week to connect with Jesus in some way every day. Have a simple strategic plan to connect with God. What are you going to do tomorrow to connect with Jesus? I want you to think about that for a minute. What are you going to do tomorrow to connect with Jesus in some way? God's got all your passwords. He built a back door into your mind and heart to the programs that design who you are. All I need you to do is open the door. The most brilliant evolutionists, atheists, scientists, celebrities, everyone who's so famous and so important now with great wealth and influence and standing, every one of those people today whose names you know, one day will stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and bow their knee and say that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And everything they were so sure of, all their theories that were backed up by their peers, all the books that were written, everything they were praised on for t at TV, everything they were famous for, they will see in that moment that it was all futile. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And it was all futile. It was important right then, but in the big picture, it didn't mean anything. But not so for you. You were not meant to waste your life. You were called to do great things for God. There's some of you today who you know God is calling you to more than what you're doing. You know today you've let things hold you back. Whether it's doubt or uncertainty or things that are wrong in your life. And you've let it freeze it out. It's allowed you to be a, have a passive walk with God. Oh, God has called you to so much more. God has called you to rise up and be who he's called you to be. It's, listen, even though it's winter outside, outside, it's springtime. It's time to thaw out and pop back to life. Come to life that God has given you to come to. It's time to rise up, oh man of God. It's time to rise up, oh woman of God, and become who he's called you to become. You got a purpose and a destiny for God, and he's saying, will you come? Will you come today and say, God, I am ready. The impossible God can be real in your life, and he has solutions in your life that you don't know of. But here's what you have to do. You have to seek him to find him. All right, let's pray. God, we're so grateful.
that you have called us and your awesome power and the glory of your creation. Here we are, just individual people. But you've got a purpose for us. Every hair in our, in our head is numbered. You know every detail about us. Listen, God's got a purpose for you. God knows you. God's got a purpose for you. Some of you need to hear that today. God knows, God knows who you are. God, speak to people today. Show them what you've got for them. We're so grateful for the purpose you've given us and the plans you've given us. We give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before, we're gonna sing a song now. Praise God. We're gonna sing a song now, but before we do that, some of you today may have come in and you're just seeking about this God thing. You've kicked it around for a while and you're saying, God, I'm not sure if you're real, but you're doing something in my life and I wanna know you and I wanna walk with you. Today I wanna give you the chance, like I did 30 years ago, when I wasn't sure if God was real, but I wanted to be real, and I said, God, I want you to show me, and you started showing me, and God has drawn some of you today. And I wanna give you the chance that he gave me to say, God, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. So I'd like us all to um, bow our heads together, just for, for people's sake, just close your eyes. And God is maybe drawing some of you today. You say, hey, it's time for you to give your life to Jesus. And today, if you want to give your life to Jesus, because he paid the price for all your sins, and he has a love for you that is so great, the book of Jeremiah says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Is that you today want to walk with God? If you are here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, no one's looking around. I just want you to lift up your hand and say, God, I want you to be real in my life. Jesus, I want you to be real in my life. Thank you. I want to give my life to you, Jesus. So lift your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I can see it, but above all, God can see it. And God's got something next for you in your life that's very real. That's a purpose. Everybody, let's pray this together and agree with the people who, just, who made that decision today. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I give my life to you. I choose to follow you with everything I have. Help me to walk with you. Help me to understand the things that I don't understand yet. And I thank you. I give my life to you. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Is God good? Hey, we're going to sing a song, and then um, you're going to have a chance to come down here, and there'll be people down here, leaders in the church, ready to pray with you. If you gave your heart to Jesus today and you want to talk to someone about it, there's going to be people here ready to talk to you. Or if you're saying, hey, God, I'm ready to do more. I want to pray with someone and talk to someone about it. Please come down. We'd be happy to pray with you and talk with you. Otherwise, Live the life as God's called you to live. Thanks for coming today.